Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It's good to have those little voices strengthen that hymn. You can hear them singing through and and when they say the Lord's Prayer in in, in a few moments and and when they sing their songs, sometimes I, I, I think churches used to take that for granted that there were a lot of children around. Perhaps that's because Lutherans come from farm stock and used to have five, seven, nine, ten kids. My dad is one of seven. My mother-in-law is one of six. Uh, my grandfather-in-law was one of ten. Can you imagine having nine brothers and sisters? This morning in our services, uh, we have first graders, obviously. In our second service, we've got fourth graders. We baptized four children last week. We've got children sitting with families. There are children at St. John's. We need to be grateful for that. They're not too loud. They're not a pain in the neck. They don't drive us crazy. People say, Pastor, I'm sorry, Junior screamed during your sermon. I look and say, it's the best noise in the world. Because that's the noise, that's the sound of God recreating and, and reimagining and, and regrowing the church, the body of Christ through the next generations. What a blessing it is to have so many kids in church. And every day, Monday through Friday, to have a school that has almost 900 children preschool through 8th grade. I recently got back from vacation. I opened up my emails. I had like 143 just from the last couple days. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So many things that people want to invite St. John's into. You know, your church has this and that and this and that. And you were helpful here in the community. Maybe you'd like to do this. And I look at some of that stuff and, and I think, man, you send me this email and you think you're going to make a huge difference in the world. And maybe, maybe not. Because it seems lately that the world goes from this crisis to that crisis. And I learned long ago that once the ink sets on the paper that typically the crisis du jour sometimes dissipates and goes away. And those emails get deleted quickly and those pieces of mail get tossed in a hurry and many of those I don't even open. Because I don't believe the crisis in... Our day and time, the crisis in our culture has to do with politics because politics seem to cycle and it doesn't really inflation because inflation comes and goes. It seems to me the piece that's missing in our culture is a piece of meaning and rootedness in our lives, in our homes, and in our families. It seems to me we make ourselves so busy with so many things that we're so exhausted and tired all the time that that life seems to have so little meaning. I love to follow sports, but while there's meaning in some of it, when the Packers lose, I don't die. Although when the Angels win, it feels pretty good. But meaning is deeper than that. Meaning is found in family and home. The basic building block that God established for His people were families. Moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and children and aunts and uncles and cousins and all of those things growing together with a sense of home. 
I love that word, home. It might be very difficult to buy a house right now in Orange County, but it's not so difficult to make a home. It takes investment in one another. It takes strength of character. It takes resiliency and grit. When you close your eyes, what do you see? Home. You see grandma with an apron making something to eat. Do you close your eyes and smell the, the turkey dinner? Do you hear the voice of your father who picked up your, your sword and the sword and shield and, and went to the teacher or the administrator and said, you know what my son is? Do you close your eyes and think of your mom tenderly going from this to that to this to that? And when you close your eyes, do you have a picture that goes from blurry to sharp focus when I say the word? Perhaps you go back to joyful times of growing up and being deeply loved and deeply engaged in your family. Perhaps you think of family trips and vacations. Perhaps you think of times of joy and sorrow, of growing up and learning how to be an adult because you watched your parents make adult decisions and do adult things. And you said, you know, this is exactly what I would do, how my dad did it, and I would never do this the way my parents did this to me. But we learned how to be adults, how to be a mother or a father in our homes and families. And perhaps maybe when I say home, you go back to grandma and grandpa and their value system and their lives, and you reflect on that as formative for where you are raising your children or being connected through grandchildren, nieces, nephews. Home. To each one of us who represents a child, I would offer the following, that you are engaged in the most meaningful part of life right now. And what you hold in common in your families and what we hold in common as a church is phenomenal to think about. In an age of individuality and individualism, we talk about family and being held together. Because we were all raised, unless there's a Terminator among us who just kind of popped in from a time machine, all of us were brought up and raised in the arms of our parents, who more than likely, when we were put screaming into their arms, cried and cried because they loved us, they waited for us, they wanted us, and they did their best to raise us. That's how we create homes. Can you guys read? Pretty, you guys can read pretty good, right? Can you see the words on the screen right there? Yeah. Now there's some, I, 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 I put this up there, but it's got some weird words like thou in it, but you can read that, right? You can sound it out. You're pretty good because you go to St. John's, you're super smart. Best ever. Who died on the cross for us? Thank you very much. Sermon over. <laughs> so I'm going to get my computers, but, but we're going to read that. So you can kind of look at it, but I want to make sure that, that, I, that I'm okay with this and we don't mess it up too bad. Okay. Can we read together starting at the 23 where it says, the Lord is my shepherd? Okay, let's go. One, two, three. The Lord is my shepherd. 
I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup overflows. Can you do one more? Okay, let's do this one and then we'll call it. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Oh my gosh, that was fantastic. <laughs> righteousness, how about that, man? How many first graders can use the word righteousness? That's pretty solid. If you haven't heard me this morning, hear this. If you don't take anything else out of this service today, take this. That God has given you the most meaningful call in your lives, whether parenting or grandparenting, whether aunting or uncling, whether being a friend of a family, God has the most meaningful piece of your life to be found in your family. The most meaningful part of our lives will be living in our family. The 23rd Psalm gives us a marvelous framework to think through some of those things. You raise your children and you think about that. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Can you guys see the window? What do you see in that window? What, what stands out to you? What do you see? What do you see? You see Jesus as shepherd? What do you see, honey? <laughs> what, what's your favorite color in there? Red, good. Yeah, Jesus has a red robe on. Did the, good, good. There we go. I love it. <laughs> do the sheep look? Do the sheep look scared? No. Do 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 you see the sheep and do you see the little lamb in Jesus' arms? Yeah. What do you think? Uh, what do you think Jesus is saying to that little lamb? What do you think? Amen. Amen. Think he's saying it'll be okay? Think he's saying I love you? Think he's saying I found you? Say the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Home and family is where we're loved. And where we get to love one another. The Lord is my shepherd. It evokes images of, of being loved, of being close. The lamb in Jesus' arms. Jesus' attentive gaze at the lamb and the lambs around him. Home is where we are loved and able to be loved. Our Lord initiates that love and delivers it to us. King David says, the Lord is my shepherd. It's our good shepherd, Jesus says in John 10, who lays down his life for the sheep. The meaning of Jesus' life, the meaning of Jesus' ministry was found in the sacrifice the shepherd made for the lambs. That's love, making sacrifices one for another. 
And love is wanting the best outcome for those who are closest to you in your life. So God made a sacrifice in Jesus for us so that we would be close to Him. Jesus, the Lamb of God, in His great love, sacrificed His life for us that in the family of God, we would know and hold that we are loved with a love that is bigger than anything we could ever manufacture and do ourselves. And that in the quiet nights and home and family when all the chores are done, that when you close your eyes, there's a sense of peace because we love and are being loved in our home. Because God is near to us as close as a lamb in the arms of a shepherd. Home is also where God provides. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I love that piece, right? I shall not want. I put gas in my truck before I went to Minnesota, and I bought 100 gallons, it felt like it. About 25 gallons, and I put $100 worth of gas in my truck which my father, who's buried up in Bray, is probably spinning in his grave. Just, if gas ever gets above 50 cents a gallon, this country's... I'm like, oh my gosh, Dad. <laughs> so my, the, the pump popped, and it went off at 100 bucks. And I got in my car, I turned it on, I reset the computer, and how much gas did I have? Half a tank. There's my cynic, I love it. Three quarters of a tank, right? Three quarters of a tank in the big F-150. I thought, man, why didn't I buy a Prius when I had the chance? (laughs) You see, Christians have a tenacity of spirit and a tenacity of the will. There's a tenacity inside of us that the world doesn't have. And increasingly so, the world has less and less of it. We have a sense of God's provision for us. That the, the, the tank of our hearts is not kind of full, but the Lord provides. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. America is up in arms about inflation and all that goes with that. Christians turn around and say inflation is hard and things are challenging, but the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He provides for me. He provides for my family. In each of our creeds that the kids confess in the chapel services, we say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. We trust God to provide. We trust God to give. We trust that God is a generous God, that He provides for us in our families and in our homes. And so Christians ride through economic hardship in a different way than the nation or the world. Instead of throwing our hands up in despair or wringing our hands and saying, you know, this is awful, we're never going to make it, Christians have a marvelous way of saying the lambs of Jesus are provided for by the Good Shepherd. We will not be in want. That's God's job. And somehow He takes the the burden of the world off our shoulders as the Lord Jesus taps us on the shoulder of our soul and says, remember, I am with you. I have not abandoned you. I have not forgotten you. I have not out of control. I am doing what I'm doing because... I love you. Home is where we are loved. Home is where God provides. And home is where there is a safe place. Perhaps the most important thing you do as parents is provide a sense of safety. No question about it. 
your kids come home, they, they jump out of the SUV, they run, well, that's school in the morning when they run to school. I just absolutely love them. Ah, go get them. But they do the same thing when they come home. They don't knock on the window and see if someone's inside. They don't wonder if it's going to be dangerous to go inside. They wait for you to open the garage door. They jump out of the thing and they go to the refrigerator hoping that there's a snack. And you know and I know that the food is safe and the food is good. And it's probably a little bit nutritious because you all shop at Trader Joe's. It just kind of is how it works. It's safe. Home is safe. And it's not just safe physically. There's safety for your family's heart and soul. Home is like that. Many of you here this morning commended some of that safety to St. John's. Safety. The children know who they are. The children know where they came from. That sometimes living in the tension of family means that sometimes things go a little bit awry, but there's safety and forgiveness and wrapping them up in your arms and loving on them. The Good Shepherd provides that grace and that care so that we can live in safety and provide security for ourselves and for our families. And there's a gift that springs up in that is that security fills our hearts. When I meet with young couples, I always ask the question, what do you want your family life to be like? What do you want your home to be like? And I ask it like this, if I did your wedding, you know this question. I said, if, if I'm trick-or-treating with my grandkids in five years and I knock on the door of your home in Newport Beach, what's it going to look like? Oh. Uh, I said, are you going to have plastic liners on the furniture? We're not going to be able to sit down. Like, oh, no, 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 no. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be warm and happy and we're going to have this. You're going to give me something to eat? They go, yeah, what are you going to Right? Home and family. See, the reality is that when a home is a secure place, people want to be there. You see, because you have a family that's filled with security and love and safety, your children are going to bring their friends to your home. Because the world doesn't have that sense of safety that's transcendent like a Christian has. Aunts and uncles, grandmas and grandpas, mothers and fathers, sons and daughters. We all become more and more connected and we share the gift of home as we relax and find strength in the grace and the love of the Good Shepherd. What grade are you guys going into next year? Second grade, most of you for sure. And then what comes after second grade? What comes after eighth grade? (laughs) That's what I thought. Ninth grade. Who said that? That was brilliant. High school. Yeah, brilliant. I'm going to put a star right on your head. High school. Ah! And what comes after high school? College. Ah! And what comes after college? Nothing. Nothing. Yes. (laughs) You need to be in the next service for sure, right? Eventually you get through school. It seems like it doesn't seem like in first grade, but you do. Right? You graduate into life. But there's more than that. That psalm is so beautiful. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Home. We're on our way. Home. 
This is not home. This is the way through. We are on our way home. The promise of the good shepherd is not that our lives are going to be easy. The promise of the good shepherd is not that we're all going to be rich and prosperous. But the promise of the good shepherd is that goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do you have a forever view of your life? Do you have a forever view of your life? Because meaning will flow as you see your life from God bigger than just here and now. If you just see your life as a function of here and now, you know what you get? Exhausted. But a view of forever and eternity leaves us with a sense of meaning, gives us a sense of courage, and allows us a supernatural resiliency and grit that allows us to make it from here to heaven. It's knowing that there's more. It's knowing that our home here, good, bad, loud, quiet, and everything in between, will give way one day to home in heaven. Home in eternity. That perfect home. Can we read that last slide together? It's only got one word on it. Do you see it? Can we read it together in three? I'll count to three and we can read it together. One, two, three. Home. Try it again. One, two, three. Home. Home. Amen.